the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 478 for Sunday, December 8th, 2013. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in questions, you send in tips, we try to answer your questions. We share your tips. We share tips of our own and you send in cool stuff found. And today we're going to do uh, we're going to do about half and half cool stuff found and uh, and questions here from not quite yet snowy, but probably snowy by the time you hear this Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in boy, are we going to get it? Fearful, Connecticut. This is John F. Braun. How you doing, John F. Braun? Good. As I said earlier, so weather.com says it's snowing and I look out the window and and, uh, somebody's wrong. And it's the, well, (laughs) conditions are coming though. I I see the map. There's, there's a big cloud of blue that's moving Northeast. And that's exciting. I love the snow. It is. Yeah. Actually, we got a warning until, and it's perfect uh, until 6am tomorrow morning. So we have a winter weather advisory. Uh, Ours starts uh, at 4am and goes until about 2pm. So I'm expecting a delayed school opening. And so I'm going to stay up as late as I can and drink a lot of beers while I'm watching the football game. No, I I probably won't be that. Maybe I'll be that irresponsible. I don't know. It's fun to be irresponsible every now and then, but that's, that's not really the way I like to be irresponsible. You know, during the, which I think this will be the first official snowfall. My, my, one of my favorite things to do is, is shortly after it starts is to uh, uh, go out and about and watch all the people who, don't understand how to drive in snow and ice. My favorite thing to do, and I did this <laughs> and the avoid other, them. <laughs> I did this the other night because we had uh, we did have a, a snowfall. We maybe got like half an inch, but it was you know for a little while it was coming down. And I love that feeling, that sound you get when you walk outside and it's snowing. And I, you know, it to me it it it's muffled silence. It's just. You know, the, the, well, I was going to say, yeah, is, my perception yeah. is usually, yeah, it's yeah, it's muffled. I mean, it's 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 a. Yeah, it's like, you know, like the padding you have in your yeah, studio. There. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really, it, it provides this real blanket of of I don't know. I like it. It's it's comforting. It's um, I know I'm crazy. It's just how I am. But uh, I like seeing the prints of critters and you can track them. Oh, uh, yeah. If you so desire that, that I always think is interesting after a snowfall is sure who or what has been on my property. That's right. All right, John, let's uh, <sighs> let's get rolling on this and see where it takes us. We're going to do our darndest to split the show in half and we'll see where that goes. Uh, but before we get going, I did want to tell everyone about our first sponsor, which is a sponsor that longtime Mac Geekab listeners have heard before. Gazelle.com. It's that time of year. You might wind up getting a new iPhone, iPad, iPad mini, iPad air. And if you have an old one and you don't have a family member or a friend or, a, you know, your favorite geek to gift that to, uh, then you might want to get some money for it. And that's a reasonable expectation. That's a reasonable desire. Gazelle is there for you. What you do is you go to gazelle.com. You uh, right on their homepage, you start doing it. You, you tell it, tell them what you have. You tell the Web page what you have. Uh, you tell them, you know, the specs about it. So it's a 32 gig Wi-Fi only white iPad third generation or whatever. And uh, and then they ask you about the condition of it. And they kind of help guide you into, you know, how you can describe the condition for them. 
And then they tell you how much they're going to pay you. And if you like that number, you say, yes, they send you a box. No cost to you. You uh, put your iPad in the box. You slap a shipping label back on it. No cost to you. They come and, uh, you know, UPS or whatever. It takes it away. And uh, Gazelle gets your iPad. They evaluate it or whatever it was you put in the box. Uh, They evaluate it. Make sure you put in the box the thing you said you were going to put in the box. And then you're good to go. They send you your money via PayPal or check or whatever. If there's any questions or problems, they will call you uh, or or email you more, more likely. But you are welcome to call them. And we have heard so many stories from all of you that have already used Gazelle because of hearing about it on this show. And every I can honestly say that every single story we have heard is positive. And if that isn't a testimonial to how great those folks are, I don't know what is, because let's face it, most of the email that we get is negative. Now, I don't take that the wrong way. We, you know, we're here to solve problems. So a lot of times you're writing about something that's bad that you want fixed. That's fine. That's what we do. Also, we as humans tend to, uh, you know, vocalize our uh, our complaints more than we vocalize our pleasure with uh, with particular companies and products. And to to know that every single email we've heard about uh, from you about Gazelle has been positive. I think that speaks for itself. Check it out. Gazelle.com. Uh, and through the checkout process, you can tell them that you heard about it here on Mac Ecab, and we would appreciate that. And they would appreciate it too. They like to know that, that, uh, that this works for them. So gazelle.com. All right, John, now it's time. Cool stuff found. Let's see what we can do. Starting with Tony. Tony says, you guys talked about this is sort of a uh, follow-up slash cool stuff found. So it'll lead us right in. It's just in uh, show 476, you guys talked about converting audio formats. And I can tell you about this app. If you don't know it, the app is Tunesify. It's on the Mac App Store, and I've used it to convert music from iTunes Store to MP3 for playing on my MP3 player. The only thing that didn't work was ID3 tags, which include artist title and album. This information was not included in the MP3 files, but maybe you can use it to convert audiobooks to MP3 files. So thanks for the heads up, Tony. We will put a link about uh, or link to Tunesify on the Mac App Store in the show notes, and, uh, and we will take it from there. It's good. You know, I like to hear about this stuff. It's good. Tunesify. All right. Uh, we will go on to Lennon. See if we can move through some of these quickly here, John. Did you have any thoughts on Tunesify before we, uh, before we move on? Nope. Okay. Lennon's got a cool one. Uh, this is truly cool stuff that he found in Mac Geek 476 again. He says, you talk about iCloud and the things that it syncs. However, iCloud does even more. I recently realized that it can be used to tunnel a secure Uh, shell connection an ssh connection since i'm not the first to realize this i will link to a page with a very good description of it and he did he found a a page on webdiary.com that not only talks about how this works but how you can use it and it really does create it's almost almost like your own vpn back to your network and uh and it's very cool. It's and it's created on every Mac that is uh, signed into iCloud and has back to my Mac enabled. So uh, so we will put that link in the show notes, too, because uh, because that's definitely cool stuff found. I love it when we refine these little hacky ways um, to, uh, you know. To use all this stuff that we have already. Good, I want right? to dig into that, Dave. Because, oh, yeah, uh, this I kind of remi- well, well, it reminded me of something that I had read about before, and I found a, a, one link to it, but it's actually a, a, a very clever way of using a network to 
do what you need, uh, maybe against the intent of <laughs> whoever offers the network. And that um, there have been, uh, so this reminded me of, of things that I've seen where people have been able to tunnel uh, TCP through ICMP. What is ICMP, you ask? That's a ping. Whoa. And the thing is, a ping is like, it, it, again, it's called ICMP. It's a different class of packet. And the thing is, a lot of times, if a network is blocking TCP or other things, it may not be blocking ICMP. And people have come up with ways. So it sounds like this is, you know, kind of like that. And people have come up with a way to tunnel TCP traffic through I- ICMP because typically a lot of networks don't block ICMP because it's useful for diagnostics. So, uh, and I found this one article and I got, I got to look up because I, I think there are other, um, programs, uh, probably some that are OS 10 specific, but, but I thought it was just a fascinating thing when I read about this about, haha, I'm going to trick you. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> that's cool. And Somebody you look in- like ping packets. So, so sure. it, it, it's all, it, it's all almost like, you know, NSA like, I guess. <laughs> Somebody asked about a compliment. somebody in the chat oh. room, which I'll say hi to, which is um, at, at MacGeekGab.com slash stream. Uh, hi, Kirshen. Thanks for joining us. Uh, someone in the chat room asked, is it secure at, about the back to my Mac uh, SSH tunnel? And my my understanding that I've kind of dug into it is it's using the same it, it, in order to get back to my Mac to work. There are two things that have to happen. One is the the remote control connection. That's already there, right? The, the OS 10 has that remote access thing. The trick about back to my Mac is you are doing it from remote. And so you're, you're, you know, getting back into your network via one of your Macs. So it's, that's already happening. And back to my Mac is on top of it. What this website will show you how to do is use that thing underneath for whatever you want to send. So in that sense, yes, it's just as secure as back to my Mac is because it's using the same tunnel that back to my Mac uses. You're just now kind of invoking it and using it in a different way. So, yeah, I think it's good. We got, huh. uh, yeah, I've seen that and I think they use something, Dave, and then let's move on. But, yeah. but I want to mention this because I've, I've, I've dug into this as well as you may have seen, or, you know, especially if you use something like little snitch, you may have seen something called raccoon come up or may have heard of the process. Uh huh. I have actually seen this come up yeah. when I've used back to my Mac. And that is actually a uh, Unix program that's used to set up and maintain IPsec tunnels. So as far as I, uh, last I checked, that actually is what Back to My Mac is, yeah. is implementing, which is standard IPsec, uh, you know, Unix uh, things to do this. Because at first I'm like, Raccoon, what does that do? And I guess it's kind of sneaky and... <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Maybe that's why they named it that yeah. way. I, I can't think of another reason, but... Uh, all right, enough raccoons. Um, Tony, a different Tony, I promise you. And we have another Tony coming in a little bit later if we get there. And uh, and it is yet th- a third Tony later. But this is Tony number two. Uh, Tony says, hi, guys, I was messing around with customizing mail templates and lost track of where I had found the package that contained the files I was editing. I need to take better notes while working. Anyway, one of the files I had copied to the desktop before modifying did give me a file name to search for. But when I went to use Spotlight to find the file, I immediately ran into the limitation of not being able to search within packages. And that's right. Spotlight stops at the package level, even though packages are just folders that OS 10 on the surface treats differently. So. Tony says, I Googled the question and ended up on a life hacker page and was pointed to a killer little app that solved my problem. Thomas Templeton wrote an app called Find Any File, and it plain just works. 
The app is shareware with a suggested donation of $6 US. Well worth it. I've fired up the app and pasted in my file name, then selected the add choice button to include package contents. Then I selected the option to show those contents. I limited the search to the entire hard drive. And in maybe 15 seconds, I had several results to choose from and the same spotlight functionality to view the file in its enclosing folder. It has a boatload of other search capabilities that I hope I never have to explore, though it has instantly earned a place on my troubleshooting tool belt. That's pretty cool. So that's at temple.org, T-E-M-P-E-L.org. But of course, we'll put a link in the show notes because that's how we roll. John, got one for us? Got two for I got us? one. All right. Well, go. this is going to be a surprise because this right. is the one that. Um, Sweet. Yeah, I'm going to surprise you. But this is something that I saw or, or received um, at a recent show. It was the um, uh, CES Unveiled show, I believe. No, or it may have been another one. I forget which one. But anyways, the Ken- Kingston guys were there. And I was like, hey, what's new? And they're like, oh, here, have this. Um, and they gave me something. And at first, I didn't think, you know, I'd be able to use it because it had a, so they make memory products. And, uh, you know, it had a picture of a, you know, the little Android. And I'm like, oh, well, this is for Android phones. Um, what it is, though, is it turns out I could use it, Dave. Um, so it's what they call their mobility kit. So it's a micro HDSC. And you may have seen this form factor. And I think that's why they have the little Android on the package is because I guess a lot of Android devices use this form factor of memory. Um, and it's kind of a tiny little thing. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. But, you know, I mean, you know, typically those tiny things aren't very fast. But what they include with it, Dave, is two other things. Uh, they give you a micro SD adapter. What does that do? That made it so then I could put this in my camera. Okay. And then I was and then they also give you a third item, which is a tiny little USB thing that you so you take this out of the adapter and then you put it in this little USB thing uh, adapter that they give you. So I don't need a card reader in that the card reader is own card reader. Right. Yeah. So it'll work on a lot of Android devices that use this form factor. It will work in the digital camera. And the thing that's important about the one that that I was given is that especially with digital cameras, you got to have a certain class of memory card. Yep. Uh, to capture things like video. And this is a, they offer both class four and class 10. And I actually w- had the class 10 and with my camera that works fine. And I actually benchmarked it. And for a tiny little card, I, I was getting 19 megabyte a second uh, read and 11 write. Uh, Cause then class 10 says that you got to operate it at least 10 megabytes a second. That's right. It certainly does. Yeah. So, and I think the whole thing from Amazon is like 30 bucks, but it actually turned out to be a nice extra SD memory card for my camera that also come because I, I actually lost my SD adapter. Oh, no. Or I only have one right now. So this actually gives me a second one here, even though it's a smaller form factor. Sure. So, neat little memory card for people that have Android devices or cameras that take SD cards. Um, the, the class 10 is fast enough to, to keep up with uh, HD video. Cool. Cool. Yeah, because right. I did that with some other cards. My camera actually, yeah, class four, it'd be like, I can't do a movie. Sorry. Right, 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 right. And you're asking another one here. So, so that's one thing that I got that I actually use and I really like. And, uh, and it's fast. And then let's see the second item here. This was kind of neat. So this I definitely saw at the uh, um, Engadget Expand. That's the show. I'm sorry. <clears throat> so this is a little different show, Dave. It's uh, not, very, not really Mac specific. It's uh, overwhelmed. Almost all of the people have been in Kickstarter stage and are now showing their wares. Um, okay. I'm not sure about these guys, but this is something that caught my eye because it looked to be really easy to use. So, um, so it's called Sense uh, from Cubify Systems. Uh, they offer the Sense 3D scanner, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. And just watching what they were doing on the show floor made me 
believe that this was something that could be very cool. Um, and that basically someone would stand there and they would take the scanner, it's handheld, they would walk around the person and it then created a 3D model of them. Wow. <laughs> and Seriously. Yeah. Now, the only downside is that I talked to them and I'm like, yeah, so how about the Mac software? And they're like, well, you know, we're really working on that. But they do have Windows software and you could certainly run it under virtualization. Sure. But the cost of this thing, it's uh, 400 bucks. And you hold it in your hand, and again, you just you know rotate it around a device. You can, I guess, what impresses me is that I've seen gizmos that will try to do 3D scanning, but it's typically you got to put it on a pedestal, and then the camera rotates around, or the pedestal rotates, and stuff like that. This an individual was holding it and walking around the subject, and then they created the model, which you again bring into uh, you know whatever 3D software um, yeah that you'd like to use. But just just the ease with wow. which you you were able to do this. Uh, really caught my eye. So that's pretty um, cool. Yes, and the only downside is again, uh, no Mac native software, but right, uh, right. you know, running into virtualization, and uh, and they're, they're coming out. They, they said they're really working hard on it because I was like, you know, this type of product. Even, I, even I just say, go check out almost their, targets Mac people, right? <laughs> even just go check out their like the video and stuff on their website. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that and the other trend I saw is that everybody, uh, I mean, there's so much happening in both this space and the 3D printing space. And I saw a lot of vendors there. None, none really jumped out yet, but there are a lot of players in that space, too. And that it's incredible with people, the quality and the, the cost is, is, you know, dropping like a rock on these 3D printers. We used to be talking, you know, tens of thousands. Now I think you can do thousands and there are people now coming out with hundreds. Um I don't have one yet. I don't know about you. <laughs> no. Well, at first I'm like, what would I need one for? I mean, if you're a, you know, you work in a company and you're designing products, sure. But you got anything else you saw? Uh, well, I could look more on the list here. What else do we have? Uh, yeah. All right. So, so another one I saw Dave, um, again at the Engadget show, because it was, I think a Kickstarter based thing, but I think this is something that you and I, so we got to keep our eye on this here and I, I haven't evaluated it. You know, I just went with what they, they were, talking yeah. to me about here but uh my id key so what is this thing it's a secure vault now you and i have talked about security and keys and certificates and uh, one password and last pass and all this stuff here uh the intent of this device is to be be the place where you store all your security information yeah i i looked at this one and this one is a a, a device and also, uh, they have an iPhone and iPad app that you can use in conjunction with this thing via Bluetooth if you if you want, and your laptop as well, right? And it's got a thumb scanner in it or something, or a finger scanner, right? So, so it it, it kind of it embraces the you know multi factor authentication here. So, number one, you know, it, it gives you the potential to securely store encrypted and all that all your important information, passwords, and and whatnot. Sure, uh, but it offers fingerprint security which uh you know to secure it so you know you you get your additional factor there plus it's something that you have to you know have on you right 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 um so that caught my eye as another approach because you know the argument of you know the people offering this is well you know i mean these other service i mean can you really uh, how much do you trust <laughs> other people storing the secure information for you and this applies to anybody you yep. know whether it be you know, LastPass or One Password or iCloud or whoever right. has your your stuff or iCloud keychain we just talked about. You know, yeah, you can probably. I would say you can probably trust all of them, but uh, probably you know, th this this changes the model in that this is it. This is this is, and I think it also has you know speech recognition, so you can uh, you know ask for uh, for information here. Sure, uh, oh, that's pretty cool. 
So, uh, yeah, it's just coming out here. I, uh, I'd like to do more, but it you know, caught my eye as something kind of unique, a, a secure vault for all your important no, You're right. There's stuff. a lot of these things coming now. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting space over the next, you know, six to 18 months kind of thing. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, because they support. I mean, I asked them, you know, like one of the natural questions, like, well, you know, personally, I use LastPass, you know, can it, you know, grok that? And like, yeah, of course. I mean, that's sure kind of the point. So, uh, that's so yeah, we're, it, it, it's good to see. Yeah. In light of, you know, <laughs> recent events here, it's it's nice to see somebody, you know, trying to address this here, but balancing both ease of use and, you know, security. All right. So uh, back to the back to the mailbag. Norma sends in. She says, uh I found something for cool stuff found. Take a look at cheat sheet app.com. And uh, she says it's uh, formerly found in the Mac app store. Now you can just download it. It's free. And, uh, and it shows you um, all your keyboard shortcuts kind of right in a nice little overlay. So, uh, so I, yeah, that I mean, if if there was one thing that was like perfect and and encapsulated, you know, a topic that we've talked about basically since show number probably number four, um, key you know keyboard shortcuts are it. So, thanks, Norma. That's great stuff. We like uh, we like that sort of thing. That's that's right up our alley, John. All right, and then uh, Robin says uh, Robin has a cool stuff found for us. This is interesting. Robin says, uh, you are probably aware of this, but I think it is a hugely overlooked feature. So I feature. So I thought it would call it out. If you are a household with more than one Mac and more than one iOS device, Apple's server application can be a huge boon and time and bandwidth saver. There's a feature in it in Mac OS 10 server, which and Mac OS 10 server is available for 20 bucks. Uh, it's an add on yeah. for Mavericks. 20 yep. bucks. Right. I think so. I think that's right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Thank you. There it is. Even a penny <laughs> less. That's right. Uh, no. And it's it's awesome because it unlocks all of this. Um, it, 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 it basically is an app, right? Because all of the server functionality is already built into OS 10 Mavericks, even the client version. But uh, but when you buy server, it gives you this app called server that lets you configure all these things without having to go to the terminal, which is very, very cool. And one of the things is a caching server. Robin says uh, when set up anytime you download any iOS or Mac update uh, from any iOS or Mac device on your home network, Apple uh, caching server downloads it. But the download happens only once and it goes via the caching server. So your Mac or your iOS device gets whatever update it is that came through. But the next Mac or iOS device that goes to get that same update will get it locally on your network. My house has four iMacs or four Macs and seven iOS devices. And the saving in downloads on things like Mavericks upgrades or iLife upgrades is huge. And even if you have an uncapped plan, the saving in time waiting on the download is also huge because you're getting it locally from your OS 10 server machine. The only downside is that you do need a machine that's permanently running. But I feel many households have at least one computer where this is happening or could happen. And the time savings is well worth the small cost of the server app. Thanks, Robin. That's awesome. Yeah. I know. I love these things. It's uh, I, I like that Apple's doing stuff that, you know, that's smart. I wish they would do more like that along the music front. I think there's, you know, again, not to not to dig back into our, our holy grail list, but but, you know, that whole iTunes shared music thing is, I don't know, it's not quite right, but we'll get there. No, I like the features they offer. And actually, you know, I mean, for 20 bucks, 
I mean, to me, that's a steal. It is. Since the OS now is free. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used but, to be, um, right, 50 on top of the OS, and now it's just 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, some of the other features, we actually had someone ask this. So to, so to answer it quickly, so first, if you, if you want to get the lowdown on what's in server, because it's not immediately obvious, uh, apple.com slash OS 10 slash server slash features will tell you all of the, the, the major things it does. To me, some of the, the more useful ones, especially if you're in a large household, um, or, or just a control freak, uh, it'll let you run your own calendar, contacts, and mail servers. So that's kind of cool. Um, the other thing that I've seen that catches my eye about it too is uh, you can also, uh, it'll offer VPN. So it's a VPN server as well. And yep. I, uh, the, we, we actually addressed this in a past show where, yeah, I actually set up a VPN between my iPhone and my uh, you know, machine running server. Yeah, uh, which some people may uh, may like. And of course, uh, you know, the compliment of that is you could do that uh, outside of your network. Right. I guess that's the whole point. Oh, yeah. Set up your own VPN. Yeah. See, uh, uh, Pilot Pete uses uh, OS 10 server and their their whatever it is, LTTP okay. server or whatever. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. And I think it even is smart enough, though, though I had some hiccups here because I think, you know, my hardware is getting old, but um, it knows that I have an airport. So, so if you have an Apple router, it, it can actually do the, the fiddling with it to uh, set things up properly that otherwise you'd kind of have to scratch your head over. Right. All right. That's good. What's good next? All right. Uh, keeping things moving here. John writes, but not you. Someone else wrote their name is John, too. That's so how am I going to keep th- keep things straight? How are we going to do that? You manage. I'll be- <laughs> He says, I've got a geeky cool stuff found for command line nerds. Uh, It's available on GitHub and it's called Alfred Terminal Finder. And uh, John says it's an Alfred workflow that opens up your current finder with uh, within current current finder directory within terminal or iterm two. after the workflow is installed. Whenever you're in a finder window, you hit command space and type in FT. And the window in your finder will be opened in terminal right there, ready for you to type. It also works in reverse. If you're on a directory in terminal, hit command space and type TF and your finder will open up showing the folder that you are in in the terminal. John then goes on to say my terminal of choice is iterm2, not terminal, though. Luckily, uh, Alfred terminal finder also works with iterm2 with the shortcut of FI or IF. Really nerdy and really cool. So, uh, yeah, now that's, uh, that's like two cool stuffs found in one cool stuff founds, cool stuffs. Now I think it's cool stuff found. Yeah. It's like, it's like father's in law. That's right. Like cool stuff founds. Huh? Cool stuff founds. I think is cools, cools stuff found. I think is right. (laughs) One of them is. (laughs) Or none of them are. Uh, that's good. Yeah. We have to draw permutations. You know, I, um, I, I have I, I have tested iterm two, but and I spend a lot of time in the terminal, but I have not switched to it. Um, I, I guess I don't have. Uh, I would love to hear from from John or or anybody who uses iterm two why you use that because uh, because I I have no there, there's nothing that the terminal that I'm missing in the terminal, but maybe that's just because I don't know any better. So, all right, uh, James has. Uh, James has something for us here. James writes, you guys mentioned glimpse. You want to talk to you? You should talk this one through, right? You want to do this one, John? You want to take James or should I do it? Pick. Ah, uh, I have it in front of me here. Go. Um, well, here we go. 
Hi, David John. You mentioned Glimpse as a way to find out how far away people are from meetings, etc. I tried this, but found that the recipients needed to have it installed, and that all, not all my recipients were tech-savvy enough to install it or didn't want to install it. Have you tried Twist? Where is Twist? Twist is oh. at twist.com. Twist. Wow. I'm <laughs> Oh, well, that, that that was a surprise. Makes it um, easy. I've used this and found it to be better than Glimpse. It will send a free SMS to the nominated recipients for how far away you are, expected arrival time, etc. And if you are delayed, it will update them. Also, let them know when you are about to arrive. Works in iOS and Android. You're reading okay. too fast. Make sure you, you you skipped over the best feature that uh, that it, it it how far away you are. And if you're delayed, it will update them. Those are cool features. That's something that that Glimpse doesn't do. Right. That's cool. Um, Gl- I think the glimpse? last time you sent me, well, it showed me where you were. It will, so it there, will, you know, that there were points where it appeared that you weren't making any progress. I think one was that you actually were, you know, out of using range the uh, facilities. Yeah, oh, but the oh, other, right. it seemed yeah. to have lost contact with you because yeah, sure. I'm like yeah, you know, it showed you like driving at like you know ten miles an hour on the highway, and I'm like, okay, that can't be right. Well, I think that would happen <laughs> with Twist too, obviously. If I if it can't yeah, tell you where yeah, I am, yeah. But uh, but I like the if you are delayed, it will update them part because the problem with glimpses, you need to be obsessive about it to know when I'm going to be there, right? And and I mean, listen, we know each other. I, I, we've known each other long enough. I can I I knew you would be obsessive enough to know when I was going to be there, but well, I always had the page up there. And that's what I'm saying. Reload, reload, reload. Exactly. No, I didn't have to reload, but. <laughs> Right. But with Twist, it, you know, it shows you the ETA. And then if it's going to change dramatically, it uh, it it fires off another yeah. notification that I think I Waze like. does that, too. I haven't uh, tried Waze for this lately. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think cool. it'll also say, yeah, they're yeah, they're in traffic and stuff. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, OK. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, we're going to get through, I think we're going to do it. We're going to make this work. I mean, we're skipping a couple that, that we'll probably come back to next week and I'll tell you why, but, uh, but for now let's go, uh, let's go to Mike. Mike has, uh, he says, I figured I'd pass this one along. I heard about this app from Allison on Nozilla cast probably early, early this year. He says, I was excited to hear, uh, and the app is called type Two phone. Says uh, I was excited to hear that a Apple TV was going to allow a Bluetooth input device. As I have a Bluetooth keyboard that I use with my MacBook Pro, then I quickly quickly realized that this would not work as I would need to be constantly repairing my keyboard to work with the device of interest, and that would be more of a pain than just using the Apple TV remote solution. Type to phone in the Mac App Store allows you to use your Mac and even its Bluetooth keyboard to type on your iOS device, and that includes your Apple TV. Says the trick with the Apple TV pairing process is that the UI does not indicate after confirming uh, with the Mac that you need to select the enter select button on the Apple remote. If you don't do this, the pair will fail. Uh, They help in the FAQ cover this adequately. So, yeah, it's called type to phone and uh, and it allows you to use your Mac as the keyboard for your iOS device, which is pretty cool from Huda soft at Huda.com. That's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, as a as an aside, you can also use the remote app on your iPhone or iPad to type on your Apple TV. Um, that works just fine. But uh, but if you want to use your Mac to do it, this you have to uh, you have to do this way. That's pretty cool. I like this stuff. Type to phone. That's good, John. It's a good name. All right. Any thoughts on that, John? I'd like to try it. Yeah, I like a real keyboard when it's available. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's right. It's handy. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's good. Well, it's way better. I mean, even the, even doing it on the iPhone um, is way better than trying to navigate with the Apple TV remote, you know, jumping from letter to letter. Your TiVo remote uh, app will do that too. Or just the TiVo app will do that on a TiVo too. If you get to a spot where you have to type, you can bring up the TiVo app and use your iPhone keyboard. Right. Which is I've awesome. I've tried a couple different ones. I, I forget. What it was it? There was another TiVo app that let me control it. Yeah. And also oh, really? actually they do offer. Um, yeah. I've been fiddling with it. There are a couple of, yeah. Peanut it's called. There oh. is an app that lets you um, roll control. Actually, I'm looking at it now. I don't think it offers a keyboard. It's more like just the virtual version of the. Uh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, maybe no, it it's a keyboard. I just haven't dug into it. Yeah, it's a keyboard. Yeah. And it's a, you're right. It's available on the app store. That's pretty awesome. I will. Put yeah, that. I've also seen that. I think for a while I, I haven't bought anything from TiVo in a while, but I think they also recently came out with a uh, remote that has a keyboard built into it. Oh, uh, huh. All right. I got to check out this peanut thing. I'm crazy about my TiVo. All right. Lastly, but uh, but certainly not leastly on the cool stuff found front. We will we will get to the last Tony and uh, Tony says. Uh, hey, chaps, check out this link. And uh, and it's a link to uh, an Apple discussion forum where he says it almost seems like he's condensed every Mac geek gab into one posting. And uh, and really, it's just it's like it, he the 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 uh, the poster titled this step-by-step guide to fix your Mac. And, uh, and sure enough, it's, you know, just some great tips to read through. I mean, a really long thread, hardware test, disk utility, permissions, safe mode, reinstall it. I mean, it's, you know, he should take this and publish it as a, as a, an iBook. Um, in fact, there's no reason that, uh, that he shouldn't hopefully whoever, whoever did this, hears this and, and publishes it because I'd, I'd probably buy it. It's good to have this stuff. So version 366, most recently modified on October 31st. So he's even keeping it updated. So thanks, Tony. That's good. Uh, and I think I put that link in the chat room. No, I didn't. I will now. That's good. It is uh, discussions.apple.com slash docs slash doc dash 3353. This is interesting that there are, I never realized that there were documents like this in the, in the Apple support communities. That's, um, that's news to me. So really? You, had you seen these before? It's in Apple support communities, notebooks, MacBook pro user tips. Hmm. And it's, it's not a forum thread. It's just a, a document, which is pretty cool. I like it. No, you don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Good. All right. Uh, let me get that in the show notes here. Step by step guide to fix your Mac. And that will wrap up our cool stuff found today. Um, mm -hmm. However, there, there will be, there's a couple things. Um, I'll mention this at the end of the show. We'll, 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 there's this, I'm doing something very different today, John. Mm. I know. That's, Why? Because I like to challenge my assumptions. So. <laughs> Hopefully this doesn't torment you, but, uh, but it might, I haven't, I, I can make no promises. Um, <laughs> you know, that's how I roll. Uh, all right. Um, where are we here? What time is it? Oh, all right. Well, it's not so bad. Yeah. yeah. 35 minutes, but that's okay. That's good. 
That's good. All right. Uh, before we move on to the questions, I do, though, want to take a minute and talk about um, our second sponsor, which is um, a sponsor that we talked about last week, which is Mackie. And Mackie uh, does quite a few cool things. And the thing that we're talking about today is the thing we talked about last week, which is their new MRMK3 powered studio monitors. We talked about them last week. I actually got uh, a couple of these speakers to check out. They sent me the five inch monitor, which is a five inch woofer on it. And then it has another speaker. And they also sent me the MR10, which 10S MK3, which is a subwoofer. And these things are serious speakers. I mean, these are like, you know, you, you, if, if you want real sound, this is what you get. They sound, I mean, they do sound great. Um, hooking them up is an interesting thing. You, you, you would definitely need to have uh, something, you know, splitting out to these. You could use your Mac. Uh, you would have to get a, a splitter and that would work just fine. Um, and then the speakers are each self-powered. And uh, man, do they sound good. I mean, it's a ton of sound coming out of these things, way more than I expected and uh, and a great sound quality. And for the month of December, they are on sale. Uh, they uh, there, there's a there's a whole big breakdown of sales. The five inch speakers that I uh, been checking out, they're 20 bucks each off. You, you buy two if you want left and right. So you can save 40 bucks on a pair of those. And those uh, those start at uh, well, there, you're going to be able to get them for 149 and then take 20 bucks off of that. And you can find them either at Mackie or at, uh, you know, Amazon or, or Sweetwater and those types of places. And uh, and so they're 149 and you take 20 bucks off and then the savings go up uh, all the way to the point where the subwoofer is uh, 60 dollars off uh, 349 price. So you're getting a pretty good break on the uh, on the subwoofer there. And and these like I said, these are these are wooden cabinet monitors. Uh, they are built to go, you know, I mean, you could mount them, uh, in a studio, but you could also put these on your desk. Uh, they're, they're the size of what I would call bookshelf speakers. So if you've got a big desk, uh, you know, not unreasonable to, to fit a speaker this size on there. And like I said, man, do they pack a punch? They, um, and they're self-powered. So you just get a signal to them from your computer and, uh, and off you go. And they've got, but you could, you could also plug a microphone in. They have XLR ports on them. They have balanced inputs uh, and unbalanced inputs. So whatever, whatever works to get your sound from your source to the speaker, you can, uh, you can work. And they've got a little EQ setting on the back. You probably, if you were going to plug them into your Mac, you'd use iTunes, but they also have EQ settings, uh, one to either attenuate or add to the high end. And then another to uh, to do the same on the low or to attenuate the low end, depending on how much you want. So very, very cool stuff. And uh, and like I said, through the month of December, significant savings. They have a, a MR5, an MR6 and an MR8. Those are all uh, what I would call bookshelf speakers and they get larger and larger. So you could really, you know, take you could use these in your living room and, and fill your home with sound. And then they also have a subwoofer that you can add to the system as well for uh for you know added low end and 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 like i said they're just really really built well so uh so i was very happy to be able to check these out and tell you about them and uh and i'm also very happy that mackie took the opportunity to sponsor the show this month too so check it out mackie.com and we'll put a link in the show notes directly to the page for the mrmk3 speakers affordable and they sound great so check them out that's what we like
Nice. Yeah. What do the neighbors think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. My neighbors are kind of far away, so I had to crank them up before I got phone calls. But I got, you know, I'm able, I, I listen, you know. Depends. If I do it in the soundproof studio here and not, uh, I don't get too much reaction, but, you know, that's how it goes. All right. Let's, um, Everett had an interesting tip, and I, I had never thought about doing this, so I want to make sure we share this. And uh, so take it away, Everett. Hello, John and Dave. I just wanted to comment on your talk about Wi-Fi, saying that wireless extending is not as great as Ethernet, and you'll definitely see a speed hit. However, I have been using the Asus AC routers and have three of them around the campus, and I see no difference in internet of 50 megabits per second or file transfer with Ethernet or the AC to AC to N connection. So overall, it is the N connection that's slowing down because both of my laptops are N. And so I have N to AC to AC to the other router back to N to the other laptop. Or I have N into the ASUS router then Ethernet across to the other router, and then end to there. And overall, it's about the same speed. Just wanted to let you know. Yeah, that's very interesting. So uh, if you're using Apple devices and you don't have the very, very latest um, Apple client devices, you won't have any 802.11ac clients. 802.11ac is the latest speed available for wireless and it can go Which up. some call i think it's relevant gigabit wireless and it's it could close enough it, yeah it it theoretically i think on paper it goes to 1300 megabits a second realistically it's like seven or eight but that's still really but i'd agree fast. it's yeah. almost equivalent it, it can be equivalent to a, a wired gigabit ethernet which we've always you know Falling back on saying, hey, if you're going to connect things, that's the, the fastest way to do it. Right. Most people versus but, wireless. But now it's it's kind of it's getting interesting in that <laughs> they're overlapping, which I, I never thought they would. But they are. Well, they are, except and it totally works right now. As Everett pointed out, you know, his client devices are all in. And so if you're extending your Ethernet network or sorry, you're extending your wireless network, you use the AC as the backbone instead of Ethernet. And then your end devices are going to be able to talk fine, even if the AC is, you know, spread a little thin, even if it's cut to half of what you, you know, could get in optimal circumstances. Well, you're still going faster than N would let you. However, when you get to the point that you have 802.11 AC client devices and they are out there, you know, the, the latest MacBook Pros will do this, then your extension via 802.11 AC doesn't work anymore. You're going to still need that Ethernet backbone. So it's a temporary um, you temp, you're temporarily not experiencing any speed slowdown uh, because you're using probably the five gigahertz radios for, you know, the the AC and then and then the two point four for the N on the, you know, in the in the shorter range or in the uh, the, you know, to the to your client machines. Right. But as soon as you want that AC for your client machines. You're back to exactly where you were with 802.11n. You want that Ethernet backbone between your routers. So it, yeah, but, you know, it's, um, 
Well, it's we're getting there. Yeah. Someday, because we've seen, but I think historically, Dave, throughout our you know career, yeah, have seen wireless speeds always lagging wired speeds. And we'll talk Ethernet. There are other technologies, but I think Ethernet is pretty much it. Sure. But uh, you know, Ethernet went from ten to a hundred to a thousand megabits per second. Right. Yeah. You know, ten no, base T, right. hundred base T. Now, thousand yeah. base T is what is what, you know another way to refer to it. Yep. But now we're seeing the wireless catching up, which I find very, and it kind of frightens me because you know, <laughs> well, it should frighten you. Well, well wireless, just uh, high powered wireless, you know, is kind of bad for bad for business. Well, well it can hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You've done RF work. Oh yeah. You know, I, I, I feel much safer around a, uh, you know, maybe I'm just an old, kind of an old fuddy-duddy here <laughs> off my lawn. But, you know, I, I'd much rather, if I had to choose between the two, uh, and, and also I think the deterministically, wireless is prone to mysterious phenomenon which you can't see or identify. Where to me, a wired connection, yeah, I mean, I trust it, you know. Yeah. Just mouse chews through it. Or right. Critter chews through it. But a uh, wireless is, is still, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> but no, true. it's a good point. I, I, I look forward. Um, yeah, I look forward to getting an AC device because I have none right now. I don't know about you. I have you? well, all of my routers, all of my access points are AC right now. Oh. I have I have three Buffalo access points spread uh, strategically throughout. Well, two in the house and one here oh, in the okay. office. Oh, so uh, you have Buffalo AC and I guess AC is final now, isn't it? Or yep. is it still? Uh, I don't okay. know. You know, it's close enough. Right. People are using it. Um, all right. But your yeah. Apple stuff is connecting to it using ac well i don't have any apple i don't have any apple devices that are ac oh, capable right. at the moment so yes. i can you know right yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yet but it, they will come and uh and i'm totally ready for it when uh when they do I'm, in fact i'm i'm looking forward to it so all right so john we uh we had a slightly asynchronous uh interaction with listener robert about his uh several questions oh, robert I, you want to you want to start this one and then I'll chime in or you want me to start it and you chime in and well uh, I I think I'll start it go. here so Rob, Robert's someone that I've actually met in person yeah and uh, yeah he he is known as the graphics guy because right. he's he's pretty good at graphics and builds web pages and all that fun stuff um, but he wrote in with a couple of problems and and so we tried to address both of them but um the first one was he basically sent us some you know very nice screenshots but he's like. Hey, or he said, hey, 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 which is cool. It's like Dwayne. <laughs> That's right. Yes, exactly. Oh, we're old. All right. So um, just got a new 27-inch iMac, and my CanoScan 8400F is not supported in Mavericks. Do you have a workaround? And sure enough, he sent us some screenshots of a, a output that he attempted to collect with Mavericks using his CanoScan 8400F. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a chaos and that for whatever reason the driver was not working so so i did a little bit of digging here dave well we both did yeah so one i actually dug in and apparently this is not well it's certainly not listed on apple's list of supported scanners right so that's kind of weird and then i also went to uh canon and tried to get the latest driver and they were like i I don't know anything about this and i'm like oh man but then you know, and the, and the beauty of the the, the inner tubes and, and the support community and Google and all that is you can probably find somebody who had another problem here. So I actually suggested something to him. And I think this is probably good general troubleshooting advice. So the thing is, uh, companies have to write drivers to allow hardware to talk to 
your computer. Right. And sometimes they may not want to maintain it for older products for the latest OS. And it sounds like that's exactly what happened here. However, and here's the sneaky part. And, and so I did find uh, an article on the Apple support communities, which of course we will link to because that's a great place. And that's actually where I found what I think is a, a solution that he, he verified uh, kind of worked is you may want to find, well, the thing is within a product class, you may find that a driver for a different product, but one that's actually being maintained may actually talk to the older unsupported product. Yeah, that's it. No, that's a good point because a lot of, I mean, companies don't typically start from scratch when they're designing next year's model. So, you know, a lot of times they build off of what they already knew. And if something, unless they've added some radical feature that changes the way their software has to interact, you might be able to get some of the features out of the, you know, the new software has all the features if your scanner in this instance only has like six out of 10, well, you, the software may still work. That's a very good point. Yeah. Right. And so actually the thread, which we'll, we'll link to, but basically someone, uh, which hats off to him, uh, R.A. Brack, I think is his name in the, in the support communities, uh, on Apple said, Hey, I got my 8400F working. Guess how I did it? I actually had to use the Cano scan. So we're talking Canon scanners, uh, 4400F. And he even says, yes, 4400F is what I did. So it's software. So it's a driver for a different model and for a different OS. But that and combined with downloading their. uh, So I guess they got some proprietary software. That combination allowed him to get it to work. Cool. So. um, So I I, I will. He he, he wrote back and said that uh, something that. We, we offered him resonated or at least the first part of the question. It sounded like he did get it working. And I suspect it may have involved using this older driver, which magically worked with the model of scanner that he has. Well, that's good. So the other thing I would throw in, if, if you can't find that for scanners specifically, visit hamrick.com view scan, V U E S C A N uh, is, th- is developed by Hamrick third party scanner software. That's built to work with not every scanner, but a lot of scanners. And it does often does a lot more than your default scanner software. Even if you have a brand new scanner, it often does a lot more than your scanner will or scanner software will do. And, uh, and you can, you know, you can get this, it's uh, the, the base version of the software is 40 bucks and you get upgrades free for a year after that. Um, if you want the professional version, it's it's double the price, but you get unlimited upgrades and a bunch of other features, including scanning uh, OCR files and that sort of thing. So. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. Hamrick.com. That's that's that solution. So that was question number one from Robert John. And but then, another uh, solution, Dave. Oh, God, I, I got to insert this that. because yeah. I, I've well, I've researched this in the past, but this is another place to look. I haven't used it lately, but it looks like, nope, they are updating their uh, software here. But there's something called Sane. Scanner access now easy. And this is uh, what, what appears to be an open source effort at providing, uh, well, support for scanners. So, and they list the supported devices. And actually, you know, I'm going to click on it now here. Do they, uh, no, does, does it even work? I, I mean, is that, is that still supported by newer scanners? I, I may, it may be. Well, I mean, I'm looking here. Their, their last update uh, to their product was on 930-2013. Oh, so, uh, that's, so it that's like certainly, still, uh, yeah. 
We're still working on it. Where are we on this here? Yeah, and I actually did use it at one point because I, I tried to uh, interface to an older Fujitsu scanner, which sure. unfortunately, um, they did not offer a standards-based driver, which uh, pretty much I think uh, Twain is the standard you're looking for if you want you to find a universal standard. And yeah. That's where if your scanner supports Twain, then it will support uh, launching image capture and it will see your scanner and you can use image capture to actually interact with it. Um, otherwise you, you need something like the products we're talking about here, which, uh, yeah. makes me sad because you can make your scanner standards compliant. Why not just write a driver that does that? Uh, yeah. Good question. <laughs> On the other I hand, know. I, I like the, uh, the, uh, what is it? The, uh, the Fujitsu, is it the scan snap that they have? Yeah. That's a pretty cool thing. Well, they've, they've, uh, yeah, they've, uh, I think they've shipped some to you and some to me. And so I have one of their, uh, I think it's the 1100 or something like that. Oh, really? I gotta say, even though it's not standard compliant, it's a pretty, it, it's an awesome little, you know, low, uh, you know, low volume, uh, page scanner. Yeah. Yeah. I've now, I, I've used them and tested them. I don't own one, but, um, but yeah, no, they're very cool. All right. And then Robert had a second question, John, which, uh, he asks, is there any way to get the disk capacity back at the bottom mm-hmm. of all my open finder windows? John, is there a way to get the disk capacity back at the bottom of all his open finder windows now that he's upgraded to Mavericks? I, you know, th- this question annoys me. Of course there is. Robert, Robert does. No, the thing is, I don't know why it went away. I, I believe in the last couple of OS updates, when you do an update, it all of a sudden hides what used to be displayed on your status bar in the finder window. It happens with Safari updates I've seen, too. Yeah. Why do they keep doing this? Yeah. So I think the answer here is that you want to go to the view menu. And then you're going to see uh, eventually at some point you're going to, and I think there's a keyboard shortcut so you can do command slash, uh, which equates to hide status bar or show status bar. That's right. And the, what happened is that the status bar, which gives you this information was hidden. So yeah, no, it's good. That's good. Yeah. We keep getting that question. Yeah. It's, it's annoying because you know, it's something that people like Robert you used to expect. And all of a sudden it's like, why did it go away? <laughs> I think right. I remember that my last update that happened. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, no, why did why did you why did you turn this off? I, I liked it. All right. Next? Joe writes he and, and this is this sort of dovetails into Robert's scanner thing. He says, I have a Nikon slide scanner that runs on power PC software. I was wondering if there is a virtual way to run it on my Maverick system using one of the virtual software programs like virtual PC or VMware Fusion Ooh. or any or virtual box. He says, can I install a version of Lion that runs PowerPC software and ver- which version would I run? So here's the thing. Uh, Rosetta is the technology that Apple implemented when they moved to Intel machines. And Rosetta is the emulation technology that sits Great. inside. So install Rosetta. Right. So Rosetta, they stopped <laughs> including with the OS as of Lion. Oh. Here's the here's the the the. The, here's the double whammy. Uh, Lion was the only the first version of OS 10 client that virtualization software would work with. So uh, you can run Lion virtualized, but Lion doesn't have Rosetta. Technically, you cannot run Snow Leopard virtualized, even though Snow Leopard has Rosetta. So it has created this little issue. 
Between us here, I will tell you that if you visit a certain insanelymac.com uh, forum thread, there is someone named Donk that makes a patch for one of the favorite uh, VMware or uh, virtual machine products. And uh, and this will patch VMware Fusion to allow Snow Leopard to be installed and virtualized. And and they've and and Donk and Donk may be a person or an entire team of people. I don't know, but they provide this for free. Obviously, you couldn't sell it uh, and uh, and it will make it work. Now. I will tell you that you are almost certainly going to be violating Apple's Snow Leopard license agreement if you virtualize Snow Leopard. Here's my feeling on this. Apple. No, no, no. Bear with me. You can tell me I'm full of it. That's fine. Uh, Listen, Apple changed their license agreement for Lion and allowed the client version to be virtualized with Snow Leopard. The server version is virtualizable by by license, uh, but not the regular client version. With starting with Lion and with every OS since, including Mavericks, you can virtualize the client version. My feeling is that Apple didn't want to have to go back and rewrite their license agreement for Snow Leopard because it probably a would take them time and their lawyers would have to spend all sorts of time. But it also might it's that sounds like one of those things that Sarbanes Oxley would, you know, the 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 um, the, the the after the fact the accounting rules that come in and and whack people for their stock price because they included Snow Leopard with machines that they sold. And so now if you're changing the license on something that you previously sold, how can you do that? You can't, you know, without getting in all sorts of trouble. And and they just chose not to navigate those murky waters. But I so the Snow Leopard license remains as it is. Technically, you are violating that license. I haven't heard of one instance of Apple going after someone for virtualizing Snow Leopard so they could run their old Nikon scanner. So, Joe, take that advice and uh, and do with it what you will. Don't get caught. That's all I have to say. I'm with you. I'm I'm actually kind of disappointed. I mean, Nikon, last I checked, they're a pretty big company. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. Can yeah. you pay your software people to maintain? Dude, I sent Nikon a camera. Uh, uh, our D60, Lisa, a couple of years ago, whacked the... That's a le- nice older... Uh, yeah, that's a nice DSLR, yeah. right? She whacked the lens and it came off, so we had to send it in for repair. The repair Wha- cost us... What do you mean whacked? She uh, she has a, had a lens on it. She turned a corner, hit the lens, and it sort of snapped off the, the camera. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So we had to send it in for repair. The repair was somewhere in the $150 range. It wasn't hmm. overly right. expensive. They sent us our camera and lens back. I mean... They didn't just replace it, right? They actually have a team of trained technicians that totally rebuilt our camera. I can't imagine that that actually made sense to them on paper, but but that's how they run their company. So that's why I don't think they've uh, that's why they haven't updated their scanner software. They just don't just not. Well, there's (laughs) well, you're looking at ROI. I mean, what, what do you spend time on making existing customers happy or, you know, maintaining software for a device that's. 30 years. That's right. Uh, in an ideal world, I, I think you do all of those. <laughs> of course. Mary wrote in and says, uh, I updated pages on my Mac a few weeks ago and the updates came out and I still have one document in my document file that says I need a newer version of pages to open it. This happens every time I try to open this document. All of my other docs open just fine. Any ideas? Yeah. So as we've discussed, 
John, the new versions of Pages, Numbers, Keynote, GarageBand, uh, and something else that I'm missing off the top of my head are actual, they are complete ground up rewrites. And they're, they're actually, they were rewritten initially for the iPad and then ported over to the Mac. Uh, and that's fine. But because of that, with this update, Apple did something different. They left the old copies. When you go to the Mac app store and say, I want to get the new version of pages, uh, it pulls down the new version of pages and takes the old version of pages. And instead of deleting it, as it would have done in the past, it moves it into a folder called iWork 09 inside your applications folder. But that means that this can run uh, when you double click a document. So, Mary, what it sounds like has happened for you is you updated this document, but for whatever reason, it's still associated with the old version of pages. So when you double click it or perhaps you're in the old version of pages and you go to file and open and you navigate to this, it says, I can't open this. So you need to launch the copy of pages that is in the top level of your applications folder. And that should open this version of this particular document. It gets a little confusing. They left it out there because there's a lot of feature disparity between the old version of pages and this new one. And they knew that some people were going to need to re rely on the old one because they had some features that that they still need that don't yet exist in the new one. So that's why it's like this. And it, yes, it creates a little bit of a, a wacky situation. So. But we'll get there. It's good. All right, John. Yeah, you got any thoughts on that one? That's wacky. yo. yeah, it is. Pick one. <laughs> We've got uh, we've got quite a few left and certainly not enough time to get through them. We'll go a little long today, but not too long. So think so. Not yeah. Too long. Let me see. Oh, Kent. Uh, let me see. Uh, what do you think about Kent? It, it's it. This, my friend, is your call. But uh, all right. No. Well, a, Kent. Uh, kind of is a well. It's a you know we we did the the big Wi-Fi thing in the last show. We and, did. And he kind of followed up on this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's good to keep this thread going because Go. Wi-Fi, as we discussed, is important to all of us. So Kent writes, hi, guys, I'm punting to the experts. My wife has recently encountered an issue that is apparently beyond my abilities to resolve. She uses her MacBook Pro primarily for surfing the web and photo editing. Recently, as within the last week, to 10 days, web pages have stopped loading or loaded very slowly. Her email will time out before retrieving it all and interactions with the web simply fail. Ariba will smooth things out temporarily, but inevitably it starts up again after a short period of use. It doesn't seem to matter if the browser is in use as Firefox or Safari. Uh, and then he gives an example uh, where he's connecting to speed tests and he gets great speeds, 50 down, three up, and then uh, they, they deteriorate over time. It, and over time is short, like 30 minutes later, he's down to, right. you know, nothing. So, um, yeah. yeah, and I don't know if, you yet know what I think the solution is, Dave. I think I do because he followed up with some stuff. But, okay. but to continue on, so we'll condense it a bit here. So um, basically, uh, I think looking through everything that he tried here, the problem seems to be isolated. Uh, so he said, you know, he tried a whole bunch of things, emptying caches, permissions, ACLs, uh, rebooted everything, DNS server. To me, it seems to be clear uh, based on all the evidence that was provided here. And it sounds like he did some very fine uh, I'm going to run I'm going to mentalize analysis that the problem is the Wi-Fi hardware in a in a portable in, in the MacBook Pro machine would you 
tend to agree. So I'm I, I I'm going to quickly mention hand it to you. Go. A, I'm going to quickly mention a couple of the things that he did because these may while they didn't help him, they may help others. So uh, he did clear his caches. Uh, he did repair permissions, which is great. He rebooted the router, which is great. He rebooted the computer, which is great. He changed his DNS server to Google's DNS, which is eight dot eight dot eight dot eight. Yes, it's very simple to remember. That's why we use it as tests. Uh, and that didn't solve it. He did an SMC and PRAM reset of the machine, which is a great thing to do because that can solve some things that feel like hardware problems but aren't. Uh, and he even changed the channel on his network using iStumbler as a guide, finding his neighbor on one and moving his network to another. None of them had any impact on this. So that, but but those might help you if you're having those problems. So, you know, these are all great things to remember when you're trying to diagnose this exact kind of sort of flaky, uh, he's got a consistent wireless issue, which is, which is interesting. Um, and, and, and so, uh, go ahead now. I, 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 I have a theory on this, but, but I, you may be, I think I do as well. Yeah, so you may so be he, better um, so then, so my suggestion was, well, number one, here's, well, number two, well, one and two, well, <laughs> spit it out. So one thing I said is here, here's some additional things you could do. So he did a lot of very good, uh, thorough analysis and resetting of things. As Dave said, here are the two things I, I suggested you looked at. And he got back to us with this. So one, I would say um, the only thing he did not do, and if you, you consider this a software, and to me, it still sounds like a hardware issue, but if you think it's a software issue, the final thing that you probably should, that, that you should do to diagnose a problem like this is when you go to system preferences network, you're going to see a list of, uh, once you go to that uh, pref pane, you're going to see a list of interfaces on the left side here. Here's what I'm going to dare you to do. And don't be afraid. But if you have an interface you're having a problem with, like, for example, I'm looking right now and it says Wi-Fi, you know what you do? You look in that window on the bottom of it. You see a little minus sign. Click on that. And that's going to delete that interface from your list of valid network interfaces. But don't panic. Sometimes things get screwed up and removing it and then adding it back again is a way to solve what I would say is a software based uh networking issue and it's basically you know getting rid of it in the software sense it's not touching the hardware at all but maybe the entry in the network whatever table is corrupted and by deleting it and adding it back again that may fix it so uh that was one suggestion um i think that was really it that that, that was the suggestion I'm like you know try oh no i'm sorry the second thing was all right you can monitor the quality of your connection. So the other thing I was wondering is what's happening around this machine. And the thing is, if you have the airport icon, you know, little radio waves up in your menu bar, if you want to see some detailed information about your connection, and I thought, well, hey, this is a great way to find out if it's a hardware problem. Maybe the hardware is flaky and, you know, it's not shorting out, but it's not working right. If you click on the airport icon and you hold down the option key, you will see a number of different uh, measurements. And to me, the most important ones here would be the ones towards the bottom. So one is RSSI, which is the receive signal strength indicator. Another is transmit rate. And that's the rate of uh, uh, in megabits per second, I believe that your computer has negotiated with whatever access point it's connected to. And then another thing that's kind of a subset of that is MCS index, uh, which will just be a number, but it's related to that transmit rate. 
And I said, you know, are you seeing anything different there? The thing is, if, if the hardware was failing, I would suspect that he, he would see different values there. So he did these two things, Dave, and you, you may have seen the feedback. I guess my only feedback on his feedback, so it didn't look like there was any problem with, with the, the numbers. Okay. And that the numbers I told him about, you know, the, the signal strength and the transmit rate and all that seemed to remain consistent. The only thing I did notice, Dave, when he wrote back to us, and this, this had me scratching my head, if you saw it, is that it looked like his network was on 2.4 gig channel three. Okay. That jumped out at me. That, that, that to me is unusual because that's not a typical nice channel to be well, on. Well, he talked about it, that. I'll hand it to you. He talked right. about that in the first email, why it was on three. And he says, I was aware of the possibility. He had to do that. Yeah, like I said, he used iStumbler to go through and picked three as the best option given all of his neighbor's networks that were competing. So, yes, three is non-optimal. But it is his best option for wireless, given I'm, the spectrum right, he's in I, there. I, I would say I'm not convinced that's the best choice. I, I would try something else because, it, as we've discussed, you know, the best channels to have without overlap are 1, 6, and 11. Right. In the 2.4 thing. He chose three, and I guess I can kind of get why he was doing that, but I would encourage him to maybe choose like if if but if one six and three, eleven one six or eleven but even if, though they're occupied but right. find the one that has the lowest signal strength and try that one no 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 no, no. here's the thing really you choo- okay. yeah you choose oh. one six and eleven because those are the if it, it, it and it helps this is very difficult to describe without a picture in front of us but bear with me uh each channel is a hill okay and one, mm-hmm. six, and eleven are at the peak of each of those three hills. What happens is it rolls off in both directions uh, on on either side of the channel. So one will lead at kind of down into through three and at a you know kind of ends at about uh, you know three and a half, I think, and then six starts at about you know three and a half and goes up and peaks at six and then goes down and dies at about eight and then 11 sort of starts at, at, you know, eight and climbs up and peaks at 11 and then goes down and, and dies at about, uh, you know, 13 and a half or something. So one, six and 11 are these commonly chosen things because though there it's the three, it's the maximum number of channels you could get without overlapping. However, the three horsemen, the three horsemen, however, (laughs) you could use channels three and eight and get the same effect but you then only have two to choose from without any overlap as opposed to three where three and eight also come in handy though. And this is, I think where Kent went with it was if one, six and 11 are totally stacked, well, three and eight are actually the spots where you're going to have pockets open because things sort of dip down into, right. you know, they're the right. valleys. And so now you're putting mountains in the valleys, not perfect. But if I, if I, if I was right. able to visualize that, there you go. So, Okay. Yeah. No, I, I get it, but 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 my only the only possible thing I could offer, other than it may indeed be the hardware and replace the Wi-Fi card, because he's I I think it's safe to say he isolated it to a single machine having problems with Wi-Fi, right? Yes. So either try a different channel, or yeah, you know, go to iFixit or whoever, and and uh, you know that they provide wonderful instructions and uh, order it from them. I think he found it. I I think it was under a hundred bucks or something, right? Or around that, I think the the Wi-Fi module yeah. on the uh, on that machine and uh, replace it. 
But uh, different channels is always good. So I would say, yeah, try other ranges. Uh, no, I, I, I get why he chose. It's not optimal. Did. So I have a thought. I, I agree with you. It's a hardware problem. I think he could bully other. Uh, what I'm thinking is by choosing one of the other channels, like six or 11, he could bully the other neighbors off of that channel and that they're going to do what we suggest. And they're going to be like, oh, well, we got to watch out for this guy. He's he's on our channel. So we're going to move. Away. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I agree with you that it's a hardware problem, but I think. I don't think it's the why it, it may be fixed by replacing the Wi-Fi chip. It might not be uh, in the MacBook Pro and the MacBook. There are several Wi-Fi antennas. There are several 2.4 gigahertz antennas. Ooh. OK, yeah, at least two, if not more. I think there's two. That, yeah, they're baked into the, uh, the into the, the bezel of the screen. Right, right, right. And they use it. It's smart. It uses one for Wi-Fi and one for Bluetooth and then sometimes one for transmit, one for receive. And so I wonder if one of those antennas has become disconnected, bad wire or something. And so you're using Wi-Fi and then for whatever reason, the thing needs to use a Bluetooth connection or tries and, and gets a weak signal. And so it bounces the Bluetooth to that one, bounces Wi-Fi back to the other one. And now you're stuck I with like this. Right. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of why I, no, it would be I'm, I'm so with you. consistent. It could, it could be. It could be. No, I, I'm with you. And actually, you know, it almost suggests now, now that I hear the nature of the problem. So whenever I hear a problem that gets worse over time. Yeah. Well, especially with a computer. Too, right? Yeah. You're right by my brother because. <laughs> yeah. But if he reboots, it comes it's right. It's a thermal back. issue. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's but why I, that's it why could, I didn't it go could be running the fans and stuff. But I would say that problems that get worse over time may like you just told me what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, is they may be thermally related totally. in that heat makes things expand and contract or, or lack of heat. And uh, if you have a marginal connection, maybe you've been in this machine and you've nudged the wire or it's just I, I've actually had. I mean, actually, I had this, Dave, with my. Uh, Current MacBook Pro, I had one. Uh, the, this is the model that has a CMOS battery. Yep. All of a sudden, it failed. You know what happened when I finally got at the freaking thing under the DVD? I mean, they put this battery in the worst possible location. Like, oh, let's put it under the DVD drive. I'm like, who, who even thought of that? But the problem was the wire actually snapped. Yeah. The wires going from sure. the battery to the to the to the, the thing on the motherboard were so old. I mean, this is an old machine, but uh, I, I didn't expect the wire to actually physically remove itself from the battery. But it did. When I pulled it out, I'm like, well, what's the problem? The battery still had voltage, but the wire snapped. Yeah. So yeah. so I could see it conceivable that the wire is going to the Wi-Fi antennas and the machine may be affected by heat. Or not. Yeah, or not. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's just one. Of, it's so consistent that it, you know, the other thing. And then and then we'll wrap up the show here. But the the other thing that uh, that came to mind is it, it could be a software issue. It's actually possible to write a script that introduces inter simulated interference into your network connection. And, and it's it's built into Unix so that you can test in environments that you're not in. Like if you want to be on your Mac and you want to test to see how your app would work over a 3G connection with, you know, 50 percent noise, you can program that in. And then your connection, you know, has this problem with it. Um, so it's possible someone has put something like this on her computer. I, I don't you know, you would know better than us, Kent, if if she was in an environment where that could happen. But knowing that. It is possible for software to cause this. I would try, uh, you know, boot from 
uh, a clean install of Mavericks or Mountain Lion or whatever you're running on that machine uh, from an external drive. And, it, you know, the, the good part is it's very consistently happening after, you know, only 30 minutes. So just boot from that, launch Safari, play around a little bit. And if it doesn't happen, then you know that you've got something running and it may not be nefarious. It may be some app you, you know, want to run. Like it could be a little snitch thing. I don't know. You know, it could be anything. Um, so test it that way before you, you throw in the towel and, and uh, have some hardware replaced. So that's, that's my, uh, that's my last lasting last advice on that. What's your brother. And so it comes, Mr. Braun, the end of the, the end of this particular show. I know it's like we have fun. It makes me sad. I know. And then we both kick into high geek gear and, and then we're done. And then we got to throttle down because, uh, well, yeah, that's how it works. It's the end. But what do you have to say about the end, Dave? The end? Uh, you know, or is I, it just uh, the beginning? It's always just the beginning. In fact, yes, the beginning of the next show starts now with you emailing us your comments, questions, tips, whatever. And you can do that by sending an email to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. And I'll say, if, if, if you were just momentarily not paying attention... What he said is you want to send an email to feedback at MacGeekab.com. Wake up! It's feedback at MacGeekab.com for those of you that had fallen asleep. Uh, Or if you are a premium subscriber and you can find out about how to be a premium subscriber at MacGeekab.com, it's actually very, very simple. And it allows you an opportunity to support us directly and also get some cool swag uh, as you earn toward that in the process uh, as a thank you. You are, if you are an active premium subscriber, you are able to email us at premium at MacGeekab.com and those we do prioritize. We try to go through everything uh, as listeners, other listeners will tell you or as you've experienced yourself. But premium at MacGeekab.com does get uh Get more regular attention. So you can check that out. Or you can call us if you want. Everybody can call the number. John, tell them about the number. The number is 42. No, no, no. No, no. that's the other that's number. That's the other number. Oh, that's our number. Our number yes. is really. Well, then you have the answer. I am. The, I embody the answer. So um, you could call us. Uh, the telephone number is 206-666-GEEK, which is Dave. Four three three five, and uh, you can find us on Twitter. That guy over there, he's John F. Braun. Uh, Mac Ecab is Mac Ecab. Pilot Pete wasn't here today because he had a scratchy throat, and I appreciate him not uh, coming and and uh, scratching his throat into our microphone. Yeah, but I hope you feel better. Uh, so he's Pilot Pete. Mac Observer is Mac Observer, and uh, I'm Dave Hamilton on Twitter can find us on Facebook, John. Facebook.com slash MacGeekGab. That's fun over sure. there. Sure. Yeah. Why not? It's good. Yep. When uh, when when things happen with the show, it's probably going to be posted there. Yeah. When Events. the next show is going to happen, uh, when the show notes are, are lovingly handcrafted and completed, um, and, you know, we got some discussion going there. So uh, check it. Check it. Right? Anything else? <laughs> trying to be hip and happy. Mm-hmm. Probably failing miserably. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, Michael Johnston's hip. He is the one behind Appler at getappler.com, G-E-T-A-P-P-L-R.com. He also is the host and founder of the We Have Communicators podcast, which is a great show. And uh, I highly encourage you to listen to it. 
Check out Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. They are the ones that provide all the bandwidth and uh, couldn't possibly have picked a better partner with them. They are they are fantastic folks. So if you are looking to, they're yeah. a CDN. They don't just do bandwidth for podcasts, although they're very, very good at that, uh, as you know. But, uh, but if you run any kind of thing where you need points of presence all over the world, I think they're up to 35 what? now all over the world, which is very, very Dude, cool. Dude, they got the pipes. They got the pipes. That's it. Cashfly.com. And, uh, Dave, of course, we want to thank our sponsors. Yeah, you can iTunes comments. That's right. You can uh, leave us iTunes comments. Thank our sponsors. And toss it in there. In the, yeah, pod- quick, in the podcast quick. marketplace. BB Edit from Barebone Software. Text Expander. PDF Pen. PDF Scan Plus from Smile. Gazelle.com. Squarespace.com. Coupon code MGG12 because we're in the 12th month. And, of course, Mackie with their uh, very cool, very well-built speakers. Fun stuff. All through the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. John. You started the show, but I, I, I have I have something that I want to share throughout the week. In fact, I you know I did this whole show uh, from I, I need to make sure that that I, I do things right because I am spending the next week uh, as I started this show and I started the other day I I have replaced for a week my iPad Mini with an Amazon Kindle Fire HDX seven inch, and thus far it's been very enlightening. But we'll talk more about that next week. In the meantime, don't get caught. Made up.